0: Dude, thanks so much for calling in today, man. I appreciate the time. Proud, so we'll talk about the uh, the new album, of course, and the tour and get your opinion on a couple things. And uh, let's start off with the tour. Great package you got with Light the Torch and Avatar coming to the House of Blues of Anaheim on November the 2nd and uh, taking out an old friend in Howard Jones.
1: Yeah, it's just a killer bill, and the fan TV stoked on it. And all the shows have been you know, some of the best turnouts we've ever had, headlining in the, in the States. We're super stoked. And all the bands have been going over really well. And the cool thing about our band base is where no matter who we bring out, everyone's very like open to really giving the band a chance and, and really seeing what they're all about. So everyone's been having really great shows, so it's, it ends up being a really killer tour so far.
0: Yeah, I love Avatar. They definitely put on a show. They're very theatrical and, and can't wait to see Howard and the new guys and uh, and Light the Torch. And this deep into your career, I mean, eight albums now, is it harder and harder to pick a set list?
1: It's not too hard. Every tour, we're always swapping songs in and out, so it keeps it easy because it's like if there's something we want to play, you know, we just kind of have it ready to go, and, you know, we did a a previous headlining tour. We, you know, kind of go back and look at the set list and try to make something that's a lot different, so people that come out to every tour, you know, they get a, uh, you know, they can see a bunch of different songs and stuff, so there's always rotating stuff, so it's like if we couldn't fit something in one time, you know, we'll just kind of swap it in on another tour, so you know, when you have a lot of material, it gives you a lot of options and stuff to uh, kind of change things around and uh, and also uh, throw in some uh, unexpected songs that people probably wouldn't think we were going to play. So it's always fun to kind of get creative with the
0: set lists. Yeah, you know, speaking of uh, the last time you guys were in SoCal, it was great to see you at the Wiltern. And you guys even talked about it on stage that, you know, back you know on the first album you filmed the uh, video for dying in your arms at that same venue and then here you are you know years later now headlining at that same venue so it's cool to kind of watch the rise and and got to be a treat for you as well yeah it's been uh
1: it's been really great since the new record came out it's really kind of pumped things up for us you know fans seem to be super excited about the album and coming out you know to all the shows and you know the the touring on this record, you know, it's been the best numbers, like, as far as attendance we've ever had on tour. Like, that first tour we did, when we played the turn, we were kind of blown away from uh, how many shows sold out on that tour and and stuff like that. So we were just kind of like, whoa, what the hell's going on? This is crazy. I'm not used to, you know, this kind of stuff happening in, 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 this, in North America and stuff, so... And this tour is kinda of continuing that but even the the tour we did last year with Arch Enemy, even on this tour a year later, like most of the places that we played on that, that tour, you know, we're doing more ticket sales this time than there was on that tour. So there's even more people, you know, coming out this time. So it's cool to see that it's continuing to grow and every time we kinda of play, you know, the word spreads. So it's, it's
0: yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the uh the latest album the sin and the sentence kind of the uh the yang if you will to to silence in the snow kind of the the polar opposite of you know bringing back more screaming vocals and blast beats and seven string guitars and that was kind of the mission statement for the album right
1: yeah we knew uh so basically the last two records where we kind of like you know tried some different things and tried to kind of do some different things with our sound and kind of uh focus on one aspect of our sound a little more than another. And also, you know, it's kind of out of necessity of, like, you know, what was going on at the time. With uh, You know, Matt had a vocal issue at one point and, and couldn't scream anymore, so, uh, you know, that kind of led to, like, you know, well, we have to kind of work around the situation for this record. You know, he was able to relearn a new way to scream that didn't hurt his voice. You know, when we were touring for Silence of the Snow, you know, we had some, you know, big songs from that record that, you know, really got a lot of new fans, and Chill the World Goes Cold is one of our highest songs, you know, as far as, like, Spotify and all that stuff, you know, highest stringing songs. So we definitely gained a lot out of that record, but we kind of saw touring and stuff, like certain things that we'd play on the old, old records and certain things that we'd see fans really react to. We're like, well, kind of see what, like, you know, our fans really gravitate towards and are really, you know, what really kind of connects with them, what they like about our sound. So, you know, we just wanted to kind of go back to, you know, just riffing out and just playing heavy stuff and just after last record was a little bit more simplistic in a way. We just wanted to kind of just like unleash and just kinda of like just do whatever the hell we wanted, bring like the intensity back, get some darker, heavier stuff going on. And then also the addition of our new drummer Alex really kind of amplified that that statement because, you know, now we have a drummer that's capable of playing basically anything that we can possibly think of and you know can play everything from super technical you know crazy drumming to you know playing like church music and stuff so it's like <laughs> got a, a wide uh, palette of, of influences and skill sets so once he came in and you know, started jamming on some songs you know and seeing what he was able to do and just kind of like you could just hear like the chains like breaking off our brains you know that we're like, wow, there's no limitations to what we can we can do writing wise. So we just kind of like went crazy, and you know, this record just kind of came out really fast, you know, just jamming and stuff. So you know, it just kind of was exactly what the band needed to kind of just kind of give it a adrenaline shot in the arm. So it's it's been definitely nice to see that the fans are reacted to it as positively as they have
0: yeah absolutely. I mean, like you said, a lot more like longer songs too, and I guess that's compliments of Alex and feeling free and being able to go you know longer and explore more and, and really bring everything out of every single tune on the album,
1: yeah for sure, you know, just uh you know, we just kind of let the songs kind of develop until we felt like they were done, and some songs came out longer just because that's just like the way they just kind of the song kind of wrote itself, you know, kind of told us when it was done and you kind of can tell when you're writing the song if it, if it feels incomplete or not. So, uh, we just kind of try to, try to do some creative stuff and not try to get into a cookie cutter, you know, song creation of the typical, you know, kind of pop first chorus, you know, kind of very structured kind of by the numbers, kind of throw in some little, little mix ups and stuff in there. So it's a lot of fun to just kind of, I guess in a songwriting way, like let your hair down and just kind of, kind of go for it.
0: Kind of a dumb question, but I'm curious. How do you and Matt figure out who's going to do which solo?
1: That's always been quite easy for us, even from the beginning. Usually, like, there's more than one solo in the song, you know. You know, Matt's always kind of like when we're in the studio or, you know, writing and stuff, he's just kind of like more vocal lyric mode and working on stuff with Apollo for, like, the vocal stuff and really try to take a lot of time to make sure the vocals are, you know, top-notch and that's a very important aspect of the song. And most of the solos, like the last couple records, I've kind of done the majority of them. Matt would kind of just very casually would just be like, yeah, just leave me a couple. And over time, like, you know, with our kind of know each other's you know, style of how we play, that uh, kind of know which, like, if there's a, a, a section we're going to have a solo over, we kind of, the, the music that we're playing over, we can always kind of, uh, kind of know, like, oh, this would fit Matt more. This solo would be more my thing, you know. Just depends on what the what you're creating over kind of dictates who kind of gets the solo. Or it's very easy, you know. We don't really like you know, paper rock scissors over anything <laughs> or, or solo. And
0: not only are you doing more solos, but I, I'm noticing a lot more uh, uh, vocals too, especially live. Seeing you kind of help out with the, some of the the uh, growling and the screams and stuff.
1: Yeah, we've uh, even before Matt's vocal problem, you know, I was basically doing the same thing anyway. There's always just certain songs where there's just always like you know back apart, I'll take a part because we've got to sing right after it. So just kind of make, making it easy as you know for everyone that they're not like running out of breath or something. I mean, you can hear on the records when there's like you know a double scream or something like that. So
0: coming up on the 20th anniversary of Trivium being a band formed in '99, is there going to be any sort of uh, celebration of, of that? I, I doubt it.
1: Well, the band like you know no one really knew about the band you know for the first like four or five years up when we went to live in Orlando and went to Mass High School. So it's still, like, you know, I don't really consider, like, you know, 20 years.
0: More from, like, ascendancy kind of? From then it would be 20 years?
1: Uh, well, obviously the band's been around since 99, but, uh, you know, it's kind of, don't really think of it too much like that. Uh I kind of, like, have more of a appreciation for, you know, anniversaries of, like, the albums then. The start of the band, but uh, yeah, it's cool. It's uh you know, Matt's—he was just talking about the other day, like it's been 20 years since I've been in this band. <laughs> it's like crazy, you know. It's like started at you know, he's like 14, so it's like you know, pretty cool that it's you know, something he started in your 14 and still, still cranking out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like you've grown up in front of the public eyes with, you know, each album and release and uh, every year that goes by. And, you know, speaking of the past a little bit, curious, just because it's getting into like Halloween season and this interview is going to air right before Halloween. Trying to think back, do you have a favorite costume of yours over the years? Anything that you're like really proud of looking back? Like I was trying to think of it for myself and I dressed up one year as like the crow, like Eric Draven and did like the white makeup and like the like leather pants and electrical tape and everything but curious if you have a, a favorite costume over the years for yourself
1: um i haven't dressed up you know, since i was like a kid. But when i was a kid i, was, I remember a couple of years i dressed up like wwf wrestler do
0: you, you remember which wrestler
1: I remember one year when i was like like in kindergarten or something like that i like third or fourth grade i can't it was like i think what it was yeah it was probably third or fourth grade i dressed up like the undertaker nice and uh and I think even before that I, I dressed up as the ultimate warrior. At least I did the face makeup.
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: Uh, did that and then also I dressed up like football players. I have these you could buy these like kid costumes that were like a full football uniform. So, I did like John Elway one year and then also like Joe Montana.
0: <laughs> Are you still a football fan? Are you a Dolphins fan? Oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I grew, I was born and raised and grew up in Maine, so
1: I'm like all the Patriots, Bruins, Celtics. Oh, okay. All the, all the, the Boston World sports. Teams, so. Yeah, so uh, the Dolphins are rivals, so I don't like them
0: at all. <laughs> Crazy that you got all the Boston sports, so you got the Patriots, of course, and the Red Sox in the playoffs now. And
1: The baseball fans. I'm rooting for them if in the World Series because it's Boston, but I've never been into baseball, so I don't really follow that stuff. But...
0: What about fantasy football?
1: Oh, yeah. You no, know, that's... Basically, what I've been doing all day is just <laughs> it, my phone
0: <laughs> checking scores. You playing a standard or a PPR? Or?
1: I have like a uh, ESPN league with like a bunch of friends from like other bands and crew guys that like you know we all tour together and stuff. So we all have a ESPN league that we do for the whole season that we have a money pool on, and then uh, and then I do DraftKings
0: like like a maniac, <laughs> like the daily the daily fantasy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do that for football and then when the NBA starts, you can basically, like, me and our uh, our security guy, he's a big sports guy, he does drafting, so we always call the, the bus, like, when basketball season starts. We call it the war room because we're just, like, <laughs> looking up stats and matchups, like, all afternoon before the game starts.
0: Stressing over your lineup decisions and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's fun, you know, kind of. Makes, makes it uh makes it interesting especially if there's a game that you really don't technically care too much about but you have some players in it that kind of makes the game more exciting
0: yeah it makes every game exciting like you said hey Corey, i appreciate all the time let me just get you on two more little things here two like kind of categories i make like to make people kind of pick out of a, a grouping of bands it's so Alrighty. for this collection of bands i like to call it the flannel five talking about like the the 90s rock era Who your favorite would be off of this list? Who your numero uno would be out out of these five bands? Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden.
1: I would pick none of the above. (laughs) Obviously, it's like those are all very influential bands in the the 90s and stuff. But I was kind of like grew up in the, the wrong year because when all that stuff was popping off in the 90s, I was listening to like Guns N' Roses and Iron Maiden and... All the '80s thrash metal, heavy metal stuffs. So I never, if it didn't have a guitar solo, I was very adamant about not listening to it at all. <laughs> but out of that list of my uh, probably my favorite out of the the five, we probably have to pick Alice and Chains. Yeah, a little bit more metal, a little bit more metal vibe than the rest of them. And I actually like some of their some of their songs. I don't have any of their records, but I uh, I don't mind them. I think they're very talented bands, and uh, the vocals are very very creative and interesting and stuff. And uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd pick Alice and Chains out of out of that. But None of, the, none of that none of that the grunge stuff is ever an influence of uh you know my guitar playing or or songwriting or anything like that. I was not a not a Seattle boy
0: <laughs> well let's let's go back a decade then and who would be your favorite out of the big four?
1: uh basically you'd toss it up Metallica Megadeth, and Slayer. Those were all very influential in multiple different ways specific guitar techniques and stuff that I learned from playing their songs or, you know, the songwriting and the riff styling and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to pick because each one of them kind of had a, a major impact in a, a different way than maybe what one of the other ones had. So And then uh, Anthrax, I got I kind of got into them kind of later on. And, you know, it was obviously I, I got Metallica first and then it was Megadeth and then Slayer. And then a couple other bands from that kind of scene, you know, I got into... And then Anthrax was kind of, kind of checked them out at a, a later, later time.
0: Hey, one last question for you. I was just thinking about it with how long you've been around and, and being such a fan and, and it's still kind of hurting me right in the heart, but uh, still really bummed about the passing of Vinnie Paul. Do you have any old Vinnie Paul stories? Any interactions with him?
1: Um, I met him a few times. I never really like hung out with him personally, like a bunch, but uh, I remember I hung out with him a couple of times. Very briefly and stuff, and just kind of like, hey, how's it going? You know, kind of stuff like that. But he's uh, always cool, he's always having, you know, barbecue parties outside, you know. The bus, and, like just kind of feeding everybody. I remember some of those. I you know, get invited to his strip club. Going there, every I think every metal band that kind of like write <laughs> so a passage. You've got to visit for the strip club in Dallas. Went to his house on a New Year's party. So yeah, you know, it's, it's really cool. You know, I got to see Pantera before before they they ended. So I'm happy that uh, I didn't miss out on the chance to see. You know, the, I can't really call it the classic line because they had the same lineup all the time for Cowboys from how on. So it's uh I also saw Damage Plan as well, so I got to see Vivian Dime play a few times, which was, you know, I think a lot of people wish they had the chance, you know, people that got into Pantera, like, you know, later on after they had, you know, disbanded, you know, so happy that I was able to, you know, see the legendary bands, musicians, do their thing on stage, which was, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's such a bummer, they're both gone now, but at least, they, at least they left us a whole lot of music to listen to for the rest of our lives.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. There's, a uh, those are classic records that the uh, amount of times that I hear bands always referencing like Vulgar Display of Power, like the production, you know, that record came out, you know, in the, like, early 90s, still one of those records that bands are trying to trying to figure out how they made that record sound so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it still holds up to this day. It doesn't, doesn't sound dated at all.
1: Oh, no, it's uh, you know, they just had that sound and just knew what they wanted. And, you know, a lot of bands kind of. Kind of strive to have a record that has that much staying power and influence in uh, the songwriting, the sound, and just the production is just so top-notch that uh, that record will never, never, never go away. You know, there's always going to be tons of musicians and, and metal metalheads that'll you know, that'll come along and discover that record and just kind of be kind of like a record that lives on forever. That is probably like in 30 years, you know, probably it's like you're getting into metal. It's like what what should uh what should I check out? It's like, that's going to probably still be one of those records that it's like, oh, you don't know metal? You gotta check this out.
0: Yeah, required so, listening. That's re-
1: the that same thing, you know, with, like, just music. Like, people always talking about the Beatles and stuff, like Led Zeppelin. It's like, those bands haven't even put out new music in forever, but it's still, like, considered must a must-see TV kind of thing where it's just like, you have to check this out or you have to hear this if you want to appreciate the history of music, so.
0: Yeah, it's important to go back and 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 know who who started it all and see the whole evolution of music, especially if you're a music fan and, and music nerd like we are. But beautiful man, thank you so much for the time and uh, the killer album. Can't wait for the tour at the House of Blues of Anaheim.
1: All right, thank you very much, man.
0: Have safe travels out there. Thanks, Corey. Have a good one.
1: All right, thanks, man. You too. Later. Bye.
0: Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks. Online at KCALFM.com. Adios.